0: you. Mm-hmm.
1: Podcast of the Cinema, hosted by you, Dave White. That's me. And me, Alonzo Duralde. That's you. We are both film critics for The rap. Yes. We uh, we are spouses. Correct. I co-host some other shows. That's also a fact. And here we are.
0: Did we leave here anything there. out?
1: I do think that's it. That's G- the main... Guess what
0: you're having for dinner.
1: What am I having for dinner? Pasta. Ooh. <laughs>
0: Oh frab just day. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know every day
0: can't be great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I, I you, you have that on a trivet hanging in the kitchen. Every day cannot be great.
0: Some days you get an the path el- of least resistance. Some days you get a full meal of things like noodles and a little bit of butter but yeah (laughs) no I I mean I made like that last brisket last week Mm -hmm. and the the all those all those uh all those different vegetable based you know cold dishes and the blueberry tart and everything like I I I kicked it out I kicked out many jams jams this past weekend and i've been coasting every day since like we've been eating the leftovers of the salads and uh I, friday it's friday afternoon friday feels to me very often like i'm just sliding into home and hoping someone is going to lasso me and pull me the last <laughs> like
1: 10 feet maybe so you are not party and party and yeah party and party and yeah no okay. i'm i'm um
0: I'm going to boil some water. (laughs) I'm going to put some pasta into it. I'm going to have that. That's dinner. It's going to be the last. This, what we're doing right now is the last actual work I'm doing of the day.
1: Fair enough. It's been a long week. But are you ready to get fresh for the weekend? No.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm, uh, I'm ready to lie down. Fair enough. I'm going to do a lot of lying down. Uh, uh, That's my plan for the weekend. I endorse this course. A lot of that. lying down. I feel like it. Also, it's good for me now. Lying down is good for me now. That's true. You have a doctor's note. I have a doctor's note for lying down. <laughs> uh, hey, big update, everybody. I'm going to have a hip surgery. Mm. Yeah. They're going to give me two new ones. Yep. I'm having all the hips replaced. They're all coming out and new ones are coming in because you're not just gonna dabble and do one
1: and you're going
0: full sachet and and I'm getting the good ones too because mine are actually uh, uh, the result of uh, human sacrifices. so <sighs> like they're not giving me little plastic and metal ones I'm getting real human bone <laughs> hips from
1: <laughs> <laughs> unwilling cartilage donors yeah 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 no black market uh, <laughs> hip replacement cartilage
0: this replacement. Is, this, this is taking a dark turn. <laughs> We're just starting. Um, no, the dark turn is what happened in the doctor's office when the orthopedic surgeon said, you know, by the way, uh, you, Fatty, are still a very high risk uh, when it comes to surgery. He didn't call me Fatty.
1: No, you just heard that. That's what
0: Alonzo calls me. Well,
1: you're the one for me,
0: Fatty. A.K.A. You're the one for me, Fatty. <laughs> Uh so
1: uh No, he said, Congratulations on losing forty pounds. Keep yeah, it going. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, I, I lost forty
0: pounds in the past ten months. Uh which is stupid to say out loud, but I did it. Um But now I need to get like, oh, another thirty out of the way before he'll uh, I... before the doctor will sort of be into it. Cutting me open. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, as beautiful as we are, we, the fats, Yes. sometimes we do less well in surgical procedures than True. the
1: non-fats
0: of the world.
1: It would be beneficial, I suppose, to be less marbled in this situation. Maybe. Uh, I mean, yes. I,
0: for the first time in my life, someone has said, okay, here's a number on the scale. You must meet. You get to that number on the scale, and then I'll, I'll
1: consent. And you get a prize. I'll
0: consent to <laughs> scalpeling your body wide open. I didn't even ask him if there was that situation where I didn't have to go under. Well, you could there. just get numbed from the from the waist down, and yeah. you know, it's wa- all, watch them go.
1: It's all carrot and stick at this point. I know. So anyway.
0: Uh yeah I'm um I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna be skinny just bizarre to think about who wants that (laughs) I don't even get me started on this one and by skinny I mean two (laughs) hundred and fifty pounds yeah I you know
1: I'm one of those which for me looks like a trim figure right you know what I mean I, I mean yeah. like we, we I posted our wedding picture this oh I know week I know on Facebook yeah and funny, oh, I know. always hate it when you do that but, uh, well yeah. but it's you know it's our it's our 25th sure anniversary this week and
0: well 25th I, anniversary of, the, of that wedding. of that particular doggy and kitty wedding which yes. had no legal yes. significance whatsoever yes. Yes. all right let's keep it straight
1: anyway uh keep it gay you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay all right anyway uh unnecessary I, continue it's what isn't I yeah. I I felt fat on that day.
0: You and, were. So was I. I. We were I, both a little. We were both a little chunky. But
1: I look back at that picture <laughs> like we are little teeny tiny nothing. Well, we moment.
0: were we were we were both a little a little chunky.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah, we were not sylph like in this. No, world, but
0: no, I've never been
1: that way. No, me neither. I've been fat but,
0: since childhood. <laughs>
1: but even <laughs> nonetheless, yeah. I've had moments where I was you know like. Unhusky? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what the word here is. Um when was that? Okay, like that picture that of, of me and Robert Abley when we first moved here. Oh yeah. In nineteen ninety two. We're standing on the water lot. It's Like I have Well I have a waist.
0: <laughs> you are uh biologically thick.
1: Yes, no, I have just in general. I have broad shoulders and I, I got the pillow <laughs> I never had a twink period. I mean, no, you uh, never did. No, nope. be clear about that. You never did. But nonetheless, there are you know, there's there are gradations within all of this. Right. You know. Right.
0: Well, I'm fixing to go down a gradation. I guess you are.
1: <laughs> and that's okay.
0: Could take months. Like this oh, surgery. Yeah, no. uh, this surgery might not happen until 2023.
1: Uh, uh, yeah. Honestly.
0: I intend to talk about it nonstop until then.
1: Oh good. I'm gonna wear
0: out my welcome. What a 100%. treat for all of us. Yeah, y'all are gonna. Join me on this journey, won't you? <laughs> Your wellness journey. My journey of wellness. <laughs> Check. You watch. Listen. There's going to be some. So you think you can dance moves going on. Okay. After new
1: hips. I cannot wait. I, I want to see some full fossy choreography. Here.
0: Gyrations. Yeah. You're going to see Gyrations. Join Patreon. I'll put it
1: on a little video of my generations on it. That's look. How about that? We a little enticement. Now you've. I think we've cracked what the new level is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's hips in.
0: I, my hips in motion. <laughs> the fresh ones, not the old. Not the old broken ass down ones. Yeah, no, no, the yeah. new ones in the doing the loco motion. Oh my god! So I go see Nope, right? Um. Uh-huh. I didn't go to the press screening like you did. Nighttime press screenings are just really uh, for me lately. Just I hear you. by the end of the day, I'm like, no, these legs don't want to go anymore. Right. right. Uh, so what I've been doing a lot of is hitting uh, movie theaters, weekdays, easy going situation. Got my cane. Gets me from the car to the seat in the movie theater. I've learned that the AMC Grove is a better place for me than the AMC Sunset 5, even though the Sunset 5 yeah. is literally one and a half blocks away from our house. Yes. Um, but when you get there, you know, the escalator might not be working.
1: Yeah. That's a lot of stairs.
0: There are stairs that go up to the, uh, the box office door. And you know they'll they'll run the little lift for you if you're in a wheelchair, but not if you're just some you know poser with a cane. Mm. The Grove, though, smooth sailing the whole way. Yeah,
1: it's all it's all, all flat, flat surfaces. surfaces. Yeah.
0: yeah. Only problem is that there are customers at the Grove. The Grove is a mall, you guys. One it's an outdoor It's one jobs. of those hideous outdoor malls where the sun just beats down on you. The, yeah. Why? Why would you choose to go to a mall where the elements are assaulting you? When
1: did climate control become a bad
0: word, Yeah, I ask you? I need a roof and some AC and a frozen glacia. (laughs) So, um, I go there, and the customers, the people just milling about, Mm. wandering around. Yes. They're all on their phones. Of course. And they're not paying attention to the sad, broken old man who's coming their way with a cane.
1: Well, you, you know, we've talked about after a certain age, you become invisible in this society anyway. I'm the size of an ox. I am not <laughs> invisible. I'm an obstacle for you to get around.
0: So, uh... Maybe they thought you were a trash can. I gotta say, though, the cane plus the face mask plus the sunglasses... Yikes. You don't know what I'm about. That's very imposing. I might attack you. And I could be the daytime killer. You,
1: you know what I mean? You're cosplaying the yeah. daytime killer.
0: So people see you coming with a the cane, they get out of your way. And they feel sorry for you, which is even better. Sure.
1: Who, uh, who doesn't like,
0: Oh, that? it's so sad. He can't move properly. Um, and then, but then there are the people on their phone who don't see you coming. Right. And I had to stop come to a dead stop as two different people at different moments were going to walk directly head on to, into me.
1: At, how close do they get before their Inches Spidey sense finally goes a foot off? foot away, Max. Like, and they look up and they go, oh. Like, I'm, I'm picturing the hand with yeah. the phone like just bumping into your belly and then being like, oh, what? <laughs> well, you know,
0: after this 40 pound weight loss, I don't walk belly first anymore. Mm-hmm. You see. Um, but the uh but yeah, they got real close and they saw me like, Oh sorry. I, was like, I didn't speak. That was the best part. Oh, I yeah, was no. the shape and mm-hmm. I didn't have a word to say to them. I just was like, You know what you did. Yeah. Pay attention. I'm a pathetic figure here. <laughs> Stop. With my cane. I'm a sad, broken down husk of a human with my cane. You are not. You should be moving out of my way.
1: Common courtesy. Get out of my way. Yeah.
0: If I'm, if they're behind me, they'd zoom right around me. It's sure. great because I'm slow, 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 slower than ever before. I was going to say, you'll be slow
1: with the new hips.
0: <laughs> that's just that's part of who you are. I was tortoise-like before. Yeah. I'm like the sloth in that cartoon. What was that movie? Uh, Zootopia. Yeah, that's me now. Like, hey, what's up? <laughs> How's it going? All right. Uh, so anyway, I would to see Nope. Yes. We're and going to talk, we're about, going to talk nope about it last.
1: Last, yes. Because it is impossible to discuss Nope without spoiling it. I feel nope. like it is difficult to talk
0: about without spoiling it. And so our discussion of Nope will take place after. We're, we have three other movies to talk about. Yeah. Then we'll do We have do some letters. letters, and then we'll talk about Nope. We won't do like a goodbye and then a hello yeah. again. We'll just We'll just say go away, beat it now. Go away if you don't hear. want to hear about Nope. Yeah. Honestly, for me, the spoilers of Nope, what what they are, mm-hmm. they don't they're not mind rattling. You know what I mean? They're just No,
1: but they're there.
0: They know? are they are they are in the film, but you know, so we will be kind of talking through the movie, not Around it. Yeah. Yeah. But first, y'all, there's a new Holocaust documentary. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, From Where They Stood. Yes. It is French. And it is from a director named Christophe Cognier. Now, uh, he has already done uh, at least one Holocaust documentary called Because I Was a Painter. About prisoners who uh, who survived uh, quite often because of their art
1: skill, mm.
0: but also it was about the paintings that were left behind when the camps were liberated mm. that's about a six seven year old movie. This one continues his sort of practice in being interested in the artifacts that remained after the camps uh, were you know, broken open and liberated. The Nazis were defeated. Uh, Turns out there were prisoners assigned to work details that sometimes allowed them access to cameras. Uh, In some, I don't know if all of them had this, but some concentration camps had photographic departments where, uh, you know, propaganda photos were,
1: I, I imagine they were probably they were probably used for like, you know, uh for documentation of the medical experiments also, that were going there on. There were also that yeah. as well.
0: So prisoners who had these work details often had either open access to cameras or they had access at least to stealing cameras. Right. Um and you can see in some of the photographs that are part of this documentary, people uh, being photographed, hiding the camera that they're <laughs> going to use to take surreptitious, yeah, uh, like photos. one guy
1: had this. It was a, a very simple, like it, no focus, just like a, a a a button to take the picture and a little like gear to wind the film yeah. through. Yeah. and he would apparently wrap it in newspaper and then hold it at like hip level. Yeah, and just yeah. so they
0: the the people who got these cameras secretly documented the reality of life inside the camps. So, the director, he works with archivists and historians at various concentration camp memorial sites. Right. Uh, he works to place these photos in actual camp uh, geography. Yeah. Like, they process them onto glass and then hold them up looking for the right
1: spot. Like, where
0: exactly did this photo get taken?
1: Where's this lake? Where's this thicket of trees? Right.
0: Were these trees here before? Um, was it a building that no longer exists? Like, there's one moment where they come across, in some heavily wooded area, the the foundation of one of the buildings that right. no longer exists. Um, and because it is a documentary about still photographs... You spend a lot of the running time looking at these still photographs, but the structure of the film is so great because first you'll see the spot in the camp where they think the picture was taken. Then you see them sort of talking about the picture and, you know, what are the details of it, and what have they learned from just looking at it? Like, what was the time of day? Where was the sun? What day of the week was it? What time of year was it? What time of year was it? What are the people in the photo doing? Uh, if they are
1: workers, or if they are what do we you know, know about their their position in the camp based on what? Like, this has a hat, you know, so yeah. that meant they were. Are they wrapped a in a? Are t- they wrapped in a blanket, which yeah. often signified that they
0: had typhus? typhus yeah. um, and so you learn so much like forensic information from the historians and the archivists. And so it really becomes like a, 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 a an excavation in yeah. a way. Yeah. Um, and to that end, the film itself is very methodical, very just meticulously detailed.
1: There's a line early on. I can't remember if it's in the narration or like on one of the title cards, but they basically say, "These photos were left for us to see, and so we must look at them." Yes, and that's basically the thrust of the movie is like yeah. looking at this stuff. It owes a,
0: a great deal, uh, I'd say, formally mm-hmm. to the films of Claude Lanzmann. He directed Shoah, which is the sort of epic nine-hour. Holocaust documentary that was, he began filming it in the 70s and it was released in the 80s. Um, And it is available. uh, There's a Criterion box. I may even be on the Criterion channel right now still. Um, It is absolutely, Shoah is absolutely worth your time. Uh, and you in the investment of energy. It is devastating. It is a masterpiece.
1: Uh, Showa is currently streaming on AMC Plus. Okay, it's also rentable and like from you know Amazon, variety and of places. And stuff, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, well, one of the one of the things that's you know specific about Claude Lansman's approach in the films that he made, not just Showa, but the other documentaries mm-hmm. that he made with the same uh, you know archive of footage that he gathered in the '70s. This is extremely sober, somber filmmaking. It is interested in facts and more facts. Yeah. Uh, What you get here in addition to those facts are people interpreting the facts that they are getting from the photos. Um, uh, Two of the quotes that uh, I jotted down from the the archivists and the director it says, in these places directed, in these places dedicated to the denial of the human being, regaining control of one's image was an act of resistance. Right. Now these quotes exist often on title cards. There's a lot of information that's given to you via title cards here. Um, and as the film progresses, uh, the photos become more and more is shocking the right word, but just horrifying. St- horrifying, yes, but stunning in the ability ability to have had it made in the first place. Like the further it gets into the movie, and the the it feels more like the stakes are being raised on how did you take this picture? Yeah, until the the end, which is heart stopping. Um, photographs that would be. A photograph that you would consider impossible to have been taken, yeah, and it was taken. Um, and there's a quote later on who says, This is unlike anything we could imagine or believe. Uh, it isn't if you're worried that it shows lots of gruesome footage. Again, these are still photographs,
1: yeah. This isn't Night of so Fog. Okay.
0: There are some of those, uh, but it's not heavily weighted toward that. Again,
1: yeah, it's not. It's not Night and Fog, uh, the
0: Alain uh film.
1: Although there is, I mean, the, the very first shot of the film was this very sort of like kind of bucolic nature scene. And as the camera right. po- po- points down to the ground, you see that, that what you think are like little pebbles in the earth are actually, you know, bone fragments. When it
0: rains, the earth sort of spits them out. Spits out these bone fragments. And it's been doing this for decades. Uh, seven, seven decades? Yeah. Eight decades? Yeah. Um it is you know it's a holocaust docum- uh, documentary it's tough yeah you need to be dedicated to the idea of learning this information uh this is not this is not a light entertainment it yeah. is it is a film about information and about history and and you know who it made me think of uh Robert Clary Oh okay I saw him in our grocery store one day.
1: He was a he, he was or, a, he was in the cast of Hogan's Heroes.
0: He played Beau, the little French guy yeah. in Hogan's Heroes. Uh, and when he was a teenager, he was in a concentration camp. Yes, he was a French Jewish teenager, and he was uh, he survived the camps. But I saw him in our local grocery store one day, and I was like, Hogan's Heroes guy. And and I knew who he was, and I was like. Oh, you're the guy that survived. I don't remember what camp he was in, but you're the guy that survived the
1: camp. Right. And so, yeah, as you say, he was a teenager. He was then. a kid. Yeah. He is still alive. He's, he's in, in his, his 90s. His, his 90s. Yeah. But, you know, we are within a few decades of all of the survivors being gone.
0: Mm, a few decades, maybe even less time.
1: Than yeah, I—that's yeah. that, maybe a generous, you know, thing. And so, as as important it is that the documentaries like this exist, and that you know all of the oral histories and testimonies have been captured over the years, I think there's something about photographs, yeah, that just feels like this isn't someone's, you know, oral testimony. This isn't a painting. This is like this is there's something there's a tangibility and a there's a, a level of sort of journalistic right. uh, uh, capturing of a moment that you right. get in a photograph that you don't get in anything else. And so I think it's really, you know, for, given that we live in a world where there are still people who try to uh, assert that this never happened. That it never happened,
0: right. right. You know, That's I, why I, the more documentation there is, the better. Absolutely. And it it reminds people that this doesn't just happen in a vacuum. It happens in the world. Yeah as we and it happens it's it happens in the world at any time in history and it can happen now yeah and when we have people like marjorie taylor green mm-hmm. speaking to uh neo nazi groups of people yes. white supremacist groups of people christian nationalists yes. uh and i and i equate all three of those things um, and they're very proudly and calling they're themselves very proudly christian calling themselves christian nationalists, christian nationalists um this never ends well if no. those folks get in power yeah. and they're gaining power in the united states right now it is an ugly time folks like that don't care about history and they don't care that uh, genocides take place and they just assume they do not know t- about it they're hap- they yeah they're just as hap- they're just assume they would just assume that you not learn about it so that they could make it happen again yeah that's why stuff like this matters. It's called From Where They Stood.
1: Yes, it's screening in at least in New York and Los Angeles and I'm sure making its way around the country.
0: It'll eventually be streaming and on Blu-ray. And, yeah. But I highly recommend it. Definitely. Uh, what else do we have here to talk
1: about? Uh, we have Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie. Let's move on
0: to the Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie. From 1972,
1: Two. Three? Yeah,
0: 50th anniversary. 50th anniversary, new restoration, uh, playing in New York and Los Angeles, and I don't know where else right now, but
1: uh, it is making its way around. Uh, yeah. and I assume that we'll probably be getting like some sort of new Criterion Blu-ray 4K edition, right? Because and this. it's you know
0: it's on a Criterion box set right now. It's on the Criterion Channel right now, but here's your chance if you live in a big enough town, yeah, to go to a movie theater and see it.
1: In a beautiful 4K restoration.
0: Yeah, uh, talk
1: about it. So this is—I think this is—this is Buñuel's funniest movie. Um, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> and, and, not, and and he has other films that have a sense of humor to them. I think like *Exterminating Angel* and Viridiana. and there are a lot of films that that you know they aren't all <laughs> *Belle de Jour* or *Los Olvidados*. Right. You know? um, but this is the, the, this is. Uh, as as you pointed out, people misuse the word surreal a whole lot. Like yeah. Any reality show, whatever, they, they're pretty much saying it wrong. Yeah. Bunuel is an actual card-carrying, capital S, surrealist, yeah. and he brings that sensibility to bear here. This is a, a comedy about a group of terrible, wealthy, powerful people, one of whom is an ambassador, and other people are sort of uh, enablers of his criminal doings. Um, And over the course of the film, they keep trying to sit down and have a meal together. And it keeps getting interrupted. Uh, They go to a restaurant and wonder why the staff is acting weird. And they find out that the owner has died that afternoon and is laid out in the next room. But they would still like to serve them dinner. Uh, And another one, you know, the the army shows up. And another one, um, they suddenly find that they are on stage and don't know any of the lines. Um, And then, you know, we, we get into people having. You know, like even more bizarre incidents occur. We find out someone's dreaming, and then someone's dreaming about someone's dreaming. Yeah, um, this is a very pungent satire against um, wealthy people who go through the go through life assuming that everybody should be coddling them and taking care of them, and <laughs> yeah. and and serving their whims. Um, and it is brilliantly acted by a, a great ensemble cast that includes. Uh, Fernando Rey and Delphine Seyrig and Stéphane Audron and Boulogier and Jean-Pierre Cassel. Uh, this is just a, a lot of fun. If you've never seen a Buñuel movie, this is as good a place as any to start. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's just a—it's a film that its its targets uh, feel as deserving, if not more so, in 2022 than they did in 1972.
0: The great Boulogier yes. uh, wrote a memoir a few years ago. I oh. don't I don't know if there's an English translation translation of it or not, but I've read a couple of translated quotes and she talks about how she's like eighty Something. She was, Celine and
1: she was in Selena Julie Go Boating. She was in Maitres. She was just in Both Sides of the Blade. She,
0: yeah, she currently has two films in American <laughs> yeah, art release. houses right now. This re uh this re-release and the new Claire Denis film, Both Sides of the Blade, where she plays uh Vincent Landon's mother. Um and so uh she talks about in her memoir uh that this was one of the most fun films to shoot because oh, wow. She said we just laughed and laughed and laughed all the time. (laughs) I was like, I'm glad because it's such a uh, it is a comedy, but it's it is a mirthless comedy.
1: It is the kind of comedy where you're like,
0: yeah, stick it to (laughs) her. jerks like
1: well maybe it's my spanish sense of humor it is
0: i know you and i know your family and i've been to spain with you and your family and i know i know yes
1: this is buñuel when he was still like pretty much in in self-imposed exile to to stay the heck away from franco yeah. uh, so he's shooting in 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 france but he was also yeah. you know over these decades of making films in south america and other parts of the world
0: we were just on KCRW uh, talking about this, and I and one of the things I said that made it to the air, like they, they chop us down and they, yeah. they use what they want uh, for us. But uh, Bunuel once said that his favorite characters in the film are the cockroaches. <laughs> and there's a scene with cockroaches. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Because honestly, me too. Like,
1: They're the most honest. There's <laughs> such...
0: Pains in the ass, people. Mm. Um, And sometimes their sense of entitlement feels like it comes from nowhere. Like, sometimes when someone is an entitled, obnoxious jerk, you can kind of trace the steps, how they got there. Sure. But then there will be these scenes in this film where Boulogier is the one who's... She's in a, a cafe and they're all trying to get coffee or tea and they keep running out and there's, they can't get served. Meanwhile, she's upset that there's a string quartet. <laughs> playing. She's offended. She has to sit with her back to them. She has to sit with her back to them because they're just too much for them. Too much for her. She despises the cello and the cellist. And she says, great symphonies now are discarding the cello because no one likes it. Like She's suddenly an expert on what's going on in the world about cellos. You know she has no idea what she's talking about. And she's upset by the way the cellist's Fingers move. <laughs> it's like I don't know and how many times for you. I don't know <laughs> how many times Larry David saw this movie. <laughs> but everyone in Seinfeld is this is this film.
1: Oh God. And and Delphine Seyrig's bow. She is she wears Just this a giant. Huge bow like the size her of her gloves. head. Yeah. Oh. Uh,
0: it is a film about uh as we said, entitlement and consumption and the corruption of your humanity as as you live in a state of, like, endless greed
1: and endless taking. And, and when constant expectation of, you know, that your whims are to be, you know, served at every moment. And
0: when you're confronted with actual monstrous reality, terrible political reality of the world around you, you paper over it with more luxury and more polite manners and more, uh, you know, class reinforcement etiquette. <laughs> uh, there's a scene in the film where uh, one of the maids is talking about how her, she broke up with her boyfriend because he's going off to fight in the war. And and they were like, why do not you just wait for him? She's like, well, I'm 52, I'm too old. Meanwhile, the actress playing this 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 maid is like twenty eight. Yes. Like, there's no way she's fifty two, and um, and when she says that, you're like, what? You're what? <laughs> and just as soon as she says it, like someone else says, yes, she's been in our family for ages. She was my parents' servant too. I'm like. <laughs> I can't wait for all of you to. Well, anyway, <laughs> the um, everyone in the film is oblivious to their surroundings. They keep going after what they think they deserve. Uh, when they're confronted with anything grim, they run. They literally run out of the houses yeah. or the restaurants, or they dis- they abandon the car
1: they're in. Or they're like, why is this happening to me? You know. Yeah, Fernando Rey is like this ambassador who's also like funneling drugs, which at the time was kind of an inside joke because he had just been in French French Connection. Connection, But like the whole film is about him trying to elude any kind of like, police, uh, you know, oversight, you know, he's eluding this Maoist, uh, 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 you know, freedom fighter from his own country who he thinks is trying to assassinate him. Yeah. He, you know... (laughs) And they are. And they are. He he gets into this, like, he gets into, in one of the dream sequences he gets into a fight where everybody keeps telling him all these awful things about his country that are true, like, aren't (laughs) aren't there lots of murders there? So he just
0: takes out his gun and shoots somebody at the dinner party, yeah. Um, in sp- it, it, not in spite of all this, but as I was I was almost going to say in spite of, not in spite of all this, but because, because, because of all of this, I think my favorite moments in the film are the sort of interstitial moments where all of them are just walking on a road in that the country. has no end. Yeah. There's no destination in the distance that you can see. They're just walking on a road. And at first they seem... Like
1: they're headed somewhere.
0: We're yeah. going somewhere, and then as the film progresses and it keeps cutting back to them walking on this road, you realize not only are they going nowhere, but they're getting
1: upset and, and they're trapped. It's like a, it's like a dream. Yeah. It's like a dream where yeah. you have a thing that you have to accomplish, and there is no way to accomplish it, and you keep walking down these like hallways or roads yeah. or whatever, and they don't go yeah. anywhere. Um.
0: It is an amazing film. Yeah. <laughs> it is. As you said, it's lost none of its power. Uh, If you want to go see it on a big screen and you live in a big city and you've got it like that, go do it. If you've never seen it before, uh, it's available out in the world. You can watch it at home on TV. You'll be fine. Sure. You'll be happy watching it at home, too. Uh, It's not the end of the world. But, uh, yeah, do go out and get a hold of this one and watch it. See. (laughs) <laughs> oui. uh, what else we got? We uh, got? You saw... Oh! Huh? oh. <laughs> the French Hee Haw. Yes. My Donkey, My Lover, and I. Yes. That's the name of a movie. Walk into a Bar. Yeah. Uh, the French title is uh, Antoinette uh, in the Seven. Yes. Which is a far more lyrical uh, <laughs> title, but doesn't really give you the gist of what the film is. Also, it kind of makes it sound like Rochelle Rochelle. (laughs) (laughs) True. Speaking of sign film. Oh, what happens with Antoinette in this event? Mm -hmm. Uh, You assigned this movie to me to review for The Wrap. There is a movie review of this film written by me. It is on The Wrap right now. And you assigned this to me because you're a bad man.
1: It was a movie called My Donkey, My Lover and I. <laughs> and, you, and I thought, is it a remake of O'Hassar Balthazar? It is
0: not. <laughs> and that's why you assigned it to me. Because you're like, oh, he likes French donkey movies. <laughs> sure does love a French donkey movie. Um, yeah, if you know about uh, the greatest film ever made, oh, Hazard Balthazar, a French film about a donkey, you might be tempted to believe that this film has something to do with it. It does not.
1: No, That donkey is a Christ metaphor. That
0: donkey is the, 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 uh, the, the, the suffering Jesus who takes on the sins of the world.
1: It, this... Is, is this a metaphor for a relationship that's going nowhere?
0: Well, you know, um, it is... Here's what it is. It is a gently amusing <laughs> summer holiday comedy. Ah. About a lady uh, played by uh, Laura Callamy, who was in uh, Call My Agent. Yes, which we need to watch. We do. Everyone keeps telling us how great it is. We haven't yeah. watched it yet.
1: And there's, there's even like a British remake of it yeah.
0: now. Yeah. Um. She is a uh, mid in her middle forties, and she's a school teacher, and she's having an affair with the father of one of her students, and so she. You don't have to tip, though. You can just have a seat, eat your food, be cool, everything's fine. Our friend Michael is here. We have a host uh, guest. <laughs> uh, staying with us, and he's trying to be very quiet, but uh, we don't care about that. No. <laughs> so, um, She's having an affair with the father of one of her students. Oh,
1: like on Mad Men?
0: Sort of, Yeah. Oh. And she's got this big idea in her head, in her dumb head, (laughs) that he's going to spend a whole week with her on her summer holiday. And he's like, "Uh, "You know, I'm married with a child, right? Like, we're going on a family vacation,
1: right?
0: So, what would any what's uh, an other woman to do? What's what's a side piece to do? (laughs) Uh, You stalk them, of course, naturally, and and you
1: what a." You're here too
0: She goes to this event Which is the site of Robert Louis Stevenson's journey With a donkey in this event He wrote a short uh, book about it Mm. He too Did this trip, this is a real life thing That happened, he did this to uh, Kind of not get over But to stop himself From pining for his American uh, Lover who Mm. had returned to the United States And eventually he married her And you know It all worked, it all worked out for them So uh, She gets to the Seven And they're like So are you going to rent a donkey? Because that's how Robert Louis Stevenson did it She's like Yeah I guess I guess I'm going to rent a donkey They're like Have you ever You know Walked with a donkey On a mountain trail before? She's like nope <laughs> She meets all the other tourists After the fact And they're all like Oh you're the one That rented the donkey Like no one else <laughs> is doing it <laughs> And they're like why did you do that and she's like well i thought you had to have a donkey. and then they find out why she's there and like they are evenly divided it's like old france and new france like some of the older people are like oh forbidden love <laughs> this is so exciting tell us more and the other people who the younger people are like oh are you, you couldn't crazy? have found it you couldn't have found a single guy to <laughs> sleep Obsessed with on. yeah like they're judging her. Oh my! And so the, old, the our, our old ideas about oh yeah in France you know they yeah. just they, no everyone's one cares. Got mistresses everyone's or... got a Everyone's got a mistress or a, yeah. a, a, a what's what's the male mistress? I don't know. I don't it's know. Funny. <laughs> a a mistress? Paramour. Yeah. Anyway, um, lover. So she she traipses around the mountains with a donkey trying to find him, and her cell phone won't work. So she's angry about that. She mm. thinks, "What if he's te- what if he's texting me?" <laughs> Narrator, he was not texting. Finally, well, he was. Oh, he was. He was like, basically, oh, I hope you're doing well. Like, he didn't know she was there. And then they run into him. And immediately, the wife is like, uh
1: huh.
0: Yeah, I get it. Wife pulls her aside. She's like, it's fine. Really, it's fine. Go, whatever you want to do, have him. I mean, we're not getting divorced. No. Okay. By the way. No, we're 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 not getting divorced. Let's be clear about that. But if you want to, you know, go get some, go get some. Because he's extremely horny and I'm just not interested <laughs> in ex- how horny he is. And then uh Lori Calame, she realizes how horny he is too. Oh,
1: I see. The wife is also an actress from
0: Call My She's Agent, also right? from Call My Agent, you know. yeah. Everyone yeah. is in Call My Agent, apparently. Yeah. Um This is a movie about uh the silliness of obsession and you know comedy antics and being dragged by a donkey through the woods and you know uh realizing that the one you love might not be the one for you, and maybe realizing it after an age when you should have maybe learned the score already mm-hmm. um, she you know ignores the beauty of everything around her like the cinematography is great because you get to enjoy
1: the savant the you
0: know uh, but this is a this is a French film genre the some summer, summer holiday yeah. movie where people fall in and out of love and they learn things or they don't and you know, if you've seen enough Eric Romer movies, say, you've seen at least two of them. I say, at he's this made point. at least four that I can think of on oh, yeah.
1: the I mean, like, you know, The Green Ray and uh, uh, Tale of Summer and Pauline at the Beach and La Collectionneuse, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Claire's Knee. You know, there's a bunch of them.
0: The movie never bothers sort of examining anything dark or deep. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, oh, I'm sad now. I guess I have this donkey to be nice to me.
1: That's love for you. Yeah.
0: Um, Laurie Calamy won the Best Actress Oscar. Well, the which is the French—that's the French Oscars. Yeah, she won the Best Actress award for this film,
1: and, and of course, let's not forget. So did uh, uh, the star of Eileen. Um, why am I blanking on her name? <laughs> and the director. Uh, oh, uh,
0: Valerie Lemercier. Valerie Mercy. Okay. So anyway, this is a pleasant summer. Diversion It is sweet And the donkey is adorable And he Mm -hmm. just does all the fun cute donkey things You want him to do Um, Including an extremely loud And obnoxious bray that will, (laughs) If you're having a nap (laughs) At a matinee That part will wake you right up (laughs) Uh, This is the kind of movie My dearly departed mom Mm. I could take my mom to this And she would have really enjoyed it And she would have given it the highest praise walking out. She would have said, That was cute. Yeah. It's cute. It's real good looking because it's, you know, shot in the staggering natural beauty of the Seven Mountain Range. Um, And uh, it's about, you know, the folly of people. Yeah. You don't
1: need this movie, but you will enjoy yourself. Sometimes. When August rolls around, you want a divertissement. With some air conditioning.
0: Yes. <laughs> and that's what you'll get. From Antoinette. <laughs> In this event. A.K.A. My, my donkey, donkey, my lover, lover and I. I. <laughs> uh,
1: would you like me to read the letters? That yes, but have. first we should mention that we have a Patreon. Yeah. At patreoncom slash Linoleum Knife. talk if, it up. If you like this, there's so much more of this, so much more to be enjoyed, uh, starting at a dollar a month, where you get things like LKRX, which is a, a daily recommendation of stuff, uh, and of course, limoleum. today's
0: was the 1973 public service announcement that Donald Pleasance narrated for the British, for British television, uh, or perhaps even cinemas, and uh, it gave it was, children nightmares. It was about water safety and how to avoid drowning in water, and it was about. Uh, 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 um, about ninety seconds long uh, 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 thoughtless, thoughtless little children drowning, mm-hmm. and the grim reaper appearing behind them in a terrifying robe, apparently yeah, it gave kids nightmares so. Yeah. Gems like that. John Carpenter is watching it going, yeah. Oh, I, lovely, this guy. Lovely. I got this guy. Get I, him I on found the phone. him. Found my detective. Call his agent.
1: Doctor. <laughs> doctor. I'm a doctor. Yeah. Um, we also, also the one dollar level, you get linoleum knife presents more linoleum knife where we go in deep on a film or as in the case of our most recent one, two films. We talked about uh, Billy Woodbury's Blessed Little Hearts and uh, Charles Burnett's Killer of Sheep which were some of the cornerstone films in the LA rebellion movement um, but we above that there's all kinds of other stuff LKTV a podcast at the television linoleum knife and fork a food podcast hosted by two film critics uh, linoleum nights where we talk about whatever we want and we you know we'll throw in some bad swears if we feel like it and we you can watch us record it live <laughs> on Facebook I like that that's the that's one of the selling points of well it's linoleum know, nights it makes it unique all the podcasts we do
0: are clean except linoleum nights yeah. Where we let it
1: rip. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we have monthly club meetings. We have all kinds of fun stuff. So if you are if uh, if you if you are feeling it, linoleum knife, sorry, patreon.com slash linoleum knife. Oh, and also, if you're at the LKTV level or higher, you just got uh, Bibbs and I, uh, our friend William Bibbiani, over at the Critically Acclaimed Network. Uh, we do a crossover every year for Christmas in July. Uh, this year, he and I reviewed the three new Hallmark Christmas movies that debuted on the Hallmark channel. And in the spirit of uh, kindness and compassion and understanding, we gave Dave and Whitney the year off from having to watch the new Hallmark. You didn't Christmas give movies. me anything. I yeah, said I it wasn't. I no, said I was. I no, said I declared. I refused. It. I am I, 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 the refuser. I, I made the gesture. I said, uh. You don't have to do it this year because I am full of kindness. We got a letter.
0: Got a lot of letters. We do. Let's read them all. Yes. Greg Dean Schmitz. Mm. Just wanted to thank you for the "Where the Crawdads Sing" comedy this week. (laughs) I lived and worked for a few years in the '90s in Waycross, Ah. right next to the Okefenokee Swamp. Yep. There may be there may be accent differences between South Georgia and North Carolina, but Swamp Woman is a voice (laughs) that is universal. Every bit of Dave's crawdad's routine has been a running joke for my wife and me all week. (laughs) Bravo.
1: Greg, you're welcome. (laughs) What about your donkey?
0: My donkey (laughs) and my lover and I, (laughs) we thank you. Uh, he continues. I've been a subscriber for a few years at the linoleum knights level,
1: Da-cha-cha. but I've
0: never submitted a knife me list to this podcast. Hopefully, you won't think mine is too pedestrian or too Gen X. Well, what do you think we are? Please, we're Gen we're X pedestrians. Up. Yeah. You, here it is. Number one, Ed Wood. Nice. Number two, Almost Famous. Mm. Number three, Back to the Future. Okay. Number four, The Shining. Yep. Number five, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Sure. Number six, The Avengers.
1: Yes. I was kind of hoping that he meant... Not the Uma Thurman the one. The Thurman one, no. but he meant the other With one. With the teddy bears and, and Sean Connery. And that's and, 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 yeah. fine, too. He meant the other one. Number seven, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Number eight,
0: Citizen Kane. Of course. Number nine, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Number ten, Ferris Bueller's Day
1: Off. Wow. Well, sir.
0: Well, Greg, your list is 100% knife. Absolutely. That's the rating we give it. We agree with all of your choices. Even if my agreement on the matter of Star Wars (laughs) rests on the feeling that I can still access of being 13 years old and seeing it on opening weekend uh, at the Del Norte Plaza (laughs) 1 and 2 in Roswell, New Mexico, that is... uh,
1: That's the kind of thing that stays with
0: you. It stays with me. I have since lost most of my interest in this situation. But that day was a beautiful day. And I went back again and again. Of course. To see it again and again. Yeah. 100% knife, Greg. Bravo. You win. You win at knifing. Uh, What else we got here? Oh, smart, Dave White. I just lost them all. Oh, hooray. Well, but I I refreshed and I shouldn't have. I see. Okay. So, scrolling down, Daniel says, regarding Persuasion, Hmm. Persuasion is one of my favorite books and I love the 1995 film. It's the reason I still love Kieran Hines, no matter how many terrible men he plays. (laughs) I did not hate this one. The tone through the first part is very different than the tone in the novel, but it does somewhat become more serious in the second half. I think the cast in general is very good. I don't, however, think it captures the novel and a lot of the anachronisms just make me roll my eyes. Although the playlist gag was funny. That is a good one. I haven't been crazy about several Austin adaptations, starting with the Paltrow Emma, which seems really sitcom-like. Clueless is a much better representation of that book. I think my favorite recent adaptation is the Witt Stillman Love and Friendship. Oh, yeah. It's based on a less well-known source, Lady Susan.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. if y'all haven't seen Love and Friendship. Love and Friendship is a gas.
0: Oh, so good. Yeah. Jess says, "Uh, I think Dave's fake Southern Crawdads accent has now surpassed the Murder Bakery Lady (laughs) accent to be my favorite. I laughed out loud. Now, see... Y'all don't know about uh, Christmas Murder Bakery Lady because this isn't linoleum, this isn't LKTV. LKTV. On LKTV, uh, Alonzo had me watch the...
1: Uh, what, the Murder, she baked, the murder she
0: baked series of films. And uh, my frustration with that series of films... Because they got the baking all wrong. They got everything wrong about <laughs> what a bakery is. And uh, so I began mocking... Uh, Allison Sweeney. I sound nothing like Allison Sweeney no. when I'm doing my Allison Sweeney impersonation. But... I'll tell you something else. Doing the Crawdad sang mm-hmm. uh, accent less painful. Is, is less painful on my throat. Yeah. Like doing Allison Sweeney involved going real high pitch. Yeah. And that just shreds me after a well, while. Well, that's on you. You yeah. invented
1: that imitation and then the uh, audience demanded that you keep doing it.
0: Yep. <laughs> Uh, Timothy. Timothy. You mentioned Matilda on a recent episode of Linoleum Knife, and I wanted to mention that I watched it on the Criterion channel with my two-year-old daughter. Now, okay. Timothy. (laughs) Your two-year-old daughter no more gave a damn about Matilda. (laughs) You could have put her in front of Paw Patrol and... And, and everything would have been okay. You wanted to watch Matilda yeah. fess up. Yeah. You wanted to see what, how bad it could be. You wanted to stare into the abyss. Mm. You wanted to get a into sense. Into the cold, dead eyes of what, a kangaroo costume. What is the void? And how is it represented cinematically? <laughs> that is what you wanted. Do not, could, do not make could up it stories. it possibly be as bad as David Alonso said? For the duration of her childhood, I have now condemned myself. To the Chateau d'If <laughs> to rewatch this horny, misbegotten, terrifying, and boring film mm-hmm. that embarrasses all of the top shelf acting talent who were behind enough on mortgage payments to allow themselves to be cast in it. Dear Lord. Yeah. We is, told you. It is. We told you. We warned you. We did. We, we pled war- with we you. We warned you. It is on the Criterion channel. To troll you.
1: <laughs> I really want to know the story. Of I that, need to know how who, that got curated. Who
0: said yes and put that on the Criterion channel? Like what it means. What is it, like a Saturday kitty matinee yeah. series?
1: Look, Did they just, there are
0: plenty of good films yes. that made the rounds of the Saturday kid matinees
1: in the 60s and I'm 70s. i thinking somebody thought, oh, well, it's got Elliot Gould and Robert Mitchum uh-huh. and it was written by Albert Ruddy? Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. How bad could it be? Whoa.
0: This bad. Heinously bad. It's the worst. Alfonso. Alfonso says, Dear Alonso, you know who don't hate Spain? <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, who hates Spain? Everyone hates Spain. Yeah, we were talking about Father O'Brien. Oh, oh, we're talking about Father O'Brien Cuba, Puerto Rico, and Mexico all hate Spain. Yes. We're
1: talking about how the the fracturing of the Hispanic world, and (laughs) who's got beef with who, and you said everybody hates Spain, and I didn't really question it.
0: Alfonso says, you know who don't hate Spain? Bolivians.
1: Oh, all right then.
0: (laughs) Not sure why exactly. Maybe it's because we fell off the map when the Potosi silver motherlode ran out and haven't had much contact since independence. Perhaps absence makes the heart grow fonder, or at least uh, less hostile to, former colonial oppressors. <laughs> or perhaps it's that Spain in the late 90s opened its doors to Bolivian tourists with a wink and a nod to the daily plane loads who brought one way tourist tickets and stayed there to work, sending back enough money to finally create a real middle class back home. Or maybe it's because Spaniards are so darn charming. Right, Dave? It's true. <laughs> Ever anyway, not everyone hates Spain. It's our discreet shop. Saludos it's Alfonso <laughs> Thank. from Cochabamba.
1: Thank you, Alfonso. <laughs>
0: uh oh wait, there's one more thing here from Alfonso who says Oh no, he uh, uh this is a comment from another
1: No, okay. Yeah, episode. And it's
0: one I still don't understand.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't send you that. You just left it in your inbox. Oh, okay. Anyway, all right. We're going to talk about nope. Uh, Yes. So uh, again, again, spoilers are coming. We're giving you full warning. If you were like washing the dishes and you have to like shut the water off and pull those rubber gloves off and then it always gets stuck on the one finger that some reason is like the, the gloves don't it's too thick i don't know why that is this is
0: a really personal story you're telling okay
1: right now. well I, I, be, I surely can't be the only one alonzo while doing dishes while,
0: listens to podcasts yes um and when he has to stop it's a, it's an entire it's uh, a thing. it's a process yeah you have giant catcher's mitt sized hands. I do. And but. the rubber gloves, the rubber dish gloves only go to
1: XL. They come off and, okay except yeah. for my right index finger for some reason they just they they I don't know what happened. We get
0: the XL and they still are
1: like snug. Yeah. Anyway, so all of this to say, we're now talking spoilers for nope, so you've had plenty of time to shut up. When I put my hand in yours, it's like a little
0: dainty thing that you can like wrap it up in your palm. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about.
1: It's because you have those Christian Wig doll hands. I, I do have the little <laughs> I
0: have the little doll hands. Um. Alright. What is Nope about?
1: Ostensibly It I is think... about one
0: main thing, and that is aliens. Right. There is a uh a horse ranch
1: Yes. run by uh,
0: uh, Daniel Kaluuya.
1: And early on, his father, played by Keith David.
0: It has been passed down to Daniel Kaluuya from Keith David, who dies unexpectedly uh, when a shower of debris comes from the sky and pelts him to death, basically. Yeah,
1: he, he, a quarter is embedded in his skull. Yeah.
0: So, um, this horse ranch, they, uh, supply, uh, horses for films and television and the, the, the ranch has seen better days. Uh, yeah. CGI is beginning to replace animals. And this is, and this is really something that's happening in real life.
1: Yeah. Like right if, you, if you've seen well. RRR, there's a whole elaborate title card at the beginning explaining that all of the animals, all in of the them. movie are CGI. Yeah.
0: Uh, now, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's sister uh, is played by Kiki Palmer. So her character name is Emerald. His character name is OJ Otis Jr. Father's name is Otis. We'll come back to that. Meanwhile, Stephen Yun plays a guy named Jupe. Uh, Jupe is a former child sitcom star. Yeah. He had a show, he was uh, the main kid on the show, but the show was about uh, a chimp. And I guess it was meant to
1: be a robot chimp or something like no, that? No, it was no, so uh, it, it was meant to be, an it's an actual chimp. An actual chimp, Yeah. Okay. The show was Gordy's Home, and the, the guy's name, Jupe, is the character he played in another thing called Kid Sheriff, uh-huh. and he still goes by Jupe and uses right. that name for this Wild West theme park that he now runs.
0: Yeah. So he's an adult now. He's not uh, in uh, television anymore. But he's still an entertainer. Yes. He has a Western theme park. Uh, and he trades a lot on his former career as a way for, you know, attracting the tourists out to his, you know, his big setup.
1: Yeah. Which is next door to the ranch. And he's been buying some of their horses in recent months.
0: Yeah. So. Along come some aliens. In fact, a big giant spaceship that doesn't seem to move, and people start taking notice of it. Specifically, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, O.J., and, uh, and Emmy, and and Emerald. As does an
1: employee uh, from Fry's Electronics. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they, they go to Fry's to buy more cam- more 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 uh, uh, security cameras because they're trying to capture footage of this thing. Right. And the guy who sells it to them sort of like horns in on this, figures yes. out what it is they're doing. He's extremely enthusiastic. Yes. <laughs> uh, his name is Angel. Uh, he's played, played by, by Brandon, Brandon per- Perea. Yeah, he's kind of new. I've never seen him before. Yeah, He's great. He's on the O.A., which ah, is okay. a show that we haven't seen. Yeah, but he's terrific. But he's
0: era. he's got a his list of credits is like under ten wow. at the moment. He's 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 pretty new. Uh, but this is what a showcase for him because he's he's really great yeah. in this film. Um, meanwhile, there is a cinematographer named Antlers Holst, <laughs> <laughs> played by uh, Michael Wincott. The Michael Wincott like legendary character actor who's been around forever. You'll know his face when you see him.
1: And his voice.
0: And um, they begin trying to document the existence of this spaceship and figure out what's going on. Before they can do that, the spaceship comes and sucks up every single person at the Western theme park. Well, including Jupe.
1: Yes, because Jupe has figured out that there's a, a pattern to when they arrive. Yeah. So he decides to turn this into a, a, a money a, an making adventure yeah. at the park and uh it does not go. It well. backfires. Yeah. Also It part, should be noted part of Jupe's past yes. is that the monkey who played Gordy on Gordy's home uh went nuts and uh murdered his Co-star. Se- several co-stars horribly mauled one of them. One of the kids. One of the one of the, the other kid on the show. Yeah. And uh, and as when it, it, just before he and the the, the monkey could get the jupe, he was like shot in front of jupe. Right. And when jupe is asked about this later in the film, he immediately defaults to describing the SNL sketch about it. Yeah. That.
0: Yeah. Which is this amazing moment of disassociation. Yeah. That he's you know. Performing, you know, for the other people around him. This movie's about a lot of things. Um, and I believe... Primary... What it's about is... The way that the world has shifted a bit. And has made every i shouldn't say everyone but lots more people than used to be
1: public figures
0: public facing you know spectacles uh, yeah there is a sort of unspoken but not not unshown idea of the traumatized former child star and there's no shortage of them you know uh, I've seen enough and read enough about how brutal uh, the entertainment business can be for kids who either voluntarily enthusiastically want to be a part of it or who have like a baby gum situation where your mother's like Go do it.
1: Yeah. I, I was saying the,
0: Baby Gum is Judy Garland.
1: Yes. Okay. The, uh, I was going to say, they've pretty much been mistreating children for as long as there has been an entertainment industry. Yes. You can go all the way back to, like, Jackie Coogan's parents uh, stealing all of his money.
0: Right. There's a brief allusion in the film, and it's on the soundtrack, to Jodie Foster. When she was a teenager she recorded a pop single in French and it was released in France and it's on the soundtrack. Mm. And you can hear it briefly, a little bit of it in the movie. And I think there's a reason for that. In fact, there's absolutely, oh, yeah, there's no, absolutely it's, 100% it's a reason for that. Mm. Because, you know, Jodie Foster was a child star yes. who went through... A harrowing experience in her adolescence. Um, she became the the focus of a of a very, very disturbed man who stalked her and then tried to assassinate the president because of her. Yes. She famously kept her head down after
1: that yeah.
0: and became extremely private. Extremely private. And as her as the world around her was sort of spinning violently out of control she looked down <laughs> the steven yun character is a former child star who experiences great trauma and he's still chasing it
1: yeah he's he, still he, he's chasing trying to get his family into a reality show he's still
0: chasing the, the idea of 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 the spotlight he wants to take chaos and control it um not for any nefarious purpose just because of his own need yeah and this thing that will never be satisfied in him um there is i believe i don't even need to say i believe there's a reason why the ufo is shaped like his hat Huh. <laughs> ah. it consumes him mm mm-hmm. He's trying to to take control of it, and it consumes him. Meanwhile, the meaning of this film is embodied in the title. And Daniel Kaluuya is the essence of that refusal. You watch his performance. It's not a big performance. He's the lead. But he doesn't talk a lot. He reacts with his eyes and his gestures. But he is out here in the film trying to make it work out right trying to save not just the family business, but his own life and the life of his sister and the Fry's guy. He becomes the heroic OJ that history didn't give us. I believe that, you know, it, it, it is a coincidence that you and I recently watched Killer of Sheep a great, you know, uh, example of black cinema of the of the early, of the mid-70s. Yeah. If you watch the, the performance of uh, the actor who plays Stan in Killer of Sheep, he is, at several points in Killer of Sheep, asked to do things that would harm him, to participate in stuff that would harm him. He doesn't like where he is. He doesn't like his life. Yeah but he keeps people keep coming to him and saying, "Hey, you want to do this? You want to do this? It's bad news, but it could be okay, but it's probably bad news." How do you say? And he's like, uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> And having just watched Killer of Sheep like 2 weeks ago, I kept thinking about that performance while watching Daniel Kaluuya, mm. and I thought, "It's a coincidence, obviously, but there is the there is a performance, there is a kind of acting that is about Uh, again about about refusing to participate in what's going on around you Um, and this character that's his job his job is to keep his head down because if you look up it'll destroy you and his job is to fix it
1: without getting sucked into it right my everything you were saying is true Meanwhile, things... Kiki Palmer is. Oh my god. She's so
0: effervescent yeah. and funny and alive. She's the she's the balance to his performance because his performance oh, yeah. is so internal and so all about you know keeping it closed down and hers is wide open yeah. and big, big, and extroverted explosions. She's, yeah, she's really, really funny and cool. Uh, I just, I'm so glad she's, I'm so glad her career is hitting this point, Yeah. because I find her absolutely appealing.
1: Everything you're saying about this film is true. All of these things are there. All of those ideas are there. All the notions and yeah. reference points are there. You know, you get, you get, you know, there's a, there's they the, the ranch has a Buck and the Preacher poster yes. in the in the the living room. Yeah, because it's is, a film about filmmakers. Yeah, as which is well. you know the,
0: that, that's why the cinematographer is right by their side. Helping them rediscover, uh well, this wonderful moment where he brings out this hand crank camera yeah, because the, and
1: they're like, yeah, well, because <laughs> the alien disrupts the they electri- screw up the, the electricity. electricity. So, yeah. so yeah, so he's literally taking them back to the the roots of cinema. Yeah, um, you know, you, you've got your bucking the preacher. Well, sir, you have, were you aware that Michael Whitcott was on the set of The Crow the day that Brandon Lee died?
0: Oh no! I did not know yeah. that. So that's wonder, also an intentional, clearly. You know, yeah. Thing. So I mean, all yeah. of that stuff is there, yeah, and Jordan Peele is not doing anything
1: by accident. By accident, yeah. These are all like concepts and ideas and notions, and they're all there to be seen and to be discussed and to be parsed. Yeah. But I don't think this works as a movie. Can as, you tell me why? As a narrative, because I think, I think it's thrilling. If you try and tell the story of this movie, yeah there barely is one and it and it a lot of it doesn't even make sense from thing to thing but yes it is it, it, it you have this incredible curiosity shop of ideas and theories about the visual about about cinema and about observing and being observed and about Placing oneself into you know uh, the spotlight and and the pursuit of fame, and all of that stuff is there. it is it is absolutely there and and we can we'll have endless discussions about all the things that are in nope. But sitting there watching it as a movie, as a narrative that is taking me someplace and that is supposed to like, you know tell me a story. I don't think it works. And I don't think that it, it's so... It, and it's not so aggressively, like, non-narrative that, that I'm that that's not the, 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 the measure by which I should be judging it. Right. But that's how also how I came away from Us. I came out of Us with all of that very elaborate, you know, backstory and metaphorical, you know, uh, uh, impact that it has, thinking you either needed to explain a lot more about that whole other under parallel world or a lot less just like give me a taste of it and then use it as your jumping off point for everything else but i feel like and look i love get out get out i think is unquestionably a masterpiece it's one of the great first films ever made okay but i feel like the second and third one he's got so many ideas and so many references he wants to throw in and so many like you know links to the culture of the past and how they reflect upon, you know, the Uh-oh. present and all this stuff. And that's all fascinating. And if he were Christian Markley, you know, and he, were, <laughs> and he had 20 hours to like throw uh, together. 24, Alonso. 24 hours. hours. To throw together all of these things and make juxtapositions and connection points and stuff. Alonzo was referring
0: great. to the 24-hour Christian Markley film, The, the Clock. Clock. Okay, yes.
1: All right. But as is, I just feel like I'm walking through an attic of great stuff with like that no one needs to that no one has gone through yet and put tags on and organized in any way. They're all just laying out and they no, don't add up no, to no, anything. No, 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 no,
0: no. No, you and I saw different films. Clearly. Because I feel like from get out to now, his films are becoming more and more uh Dense with visual information and emotional information and historical allusions, and how everything works alongside everything else in life. Um, This, I, I think this is just a thrilling movie. I loved watching it. I loved all the, all the, all the all the geeky
1: details that he wants you to see and experience and get the fact that the fry store in Burbank which has since been closed yes. has a giant front facade of a UFO crashing into the store
0: yeah that's that's fun but i mean in terms of you know making a film about universal experiences um and p- putting it in the language of a of a sci-fi you know, B-movie. This is really a film about control. Like, what are you capable of controlling in your life and what are you incapable of controlling in your life? And how far are you willing to go to try to keep it the way you want it? That's what I think this film is about. And sometimes you're going to win and sometimes you're going to lose when you try to assert control over your life. And the various characters various characters in this film they experience that from all angles.
1: I I feel like for me, his the second and third movies are sort of you know when somebody does like an illustration about like some historical thing or they'll put together like all of the people who did a certain thing over a period of time, and then at the bottom there's like a legend and you know it it explains who who's in this drawing right. and what it's of right i find the the after word parsing of the references and the 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 the, the connections and the whatever else that's going on here far more interesting than the act of actually sitting through this movie and right. having to and 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 being asked to care about these characters and this this you know, sci-fi plot and whatnot. So I, I don't know. I, I, to me, I feel like it's it's all metaphor and no sauce. You know,
0: we're a house divided. I guess we are. Can this marriage be saved? It will have to be. I suppose.
1: <laughs> but I, you know, look. I will say this: it Hoijtum von shot it, and it it's you know using IMAX cameras. It is. Uh, there's a lot to take in. Uh, Visually speaking, there are some, and again, we've had this discussion before about, you know, cinematographers, you know, who know how to shoot black skin. Yes. There are nighttime shots of Daniel Kaluuya that are just riveting and feel like nothing I've seen in an American movie before. Um, you know, the performances are terrific. The, the, you know, there, you, you get cameos by people like Donna Mills and Oz Perkins. (laughs) It's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah I, I I'm not saying don't see this movie i'm just saying I find the the hype around this movie and the enthusiasm around this movie is like not the experience I had.
0: you had the wrong experience i guess i guess i'm wrong I guess you're wrong alonzo what well, are you, what are you gonna do to make it up to me
1: I'm so glad that you're you're with the majority because we all know that they're always right.
0: Listen, you know me. <laughs> finger on the pulse of what everybody's digging.
1: You're Mr. Go-along-to-get-along. Everybody
0: likes it. I'm down for it. (laughs) That's
1: right. (sighs) Anyway, thank you for sticking around. Uh, We have a great letter about Nope that we will share next time. Um, In the meantime, though, please check out my other shows. I'm popping up on uh, Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network. Breakfast all day with Christy Lemire. Uh, you can find us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, uh, my regular appearances on Deck the Hallmark as well. Uh, I'll be at Christmas Con in uh, Pasadena the first weekend in August. I'll be at Bramble Fest in Greenville, South Carolina in mid-August, and then uh, you know I'll be at Grumble Fest if you're uh, if you're at the Venice Film Festival. Say hi. Just gonna sit home and grumble. <laughs> Uh, subscribe to the show for free at Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on the air. You can also leave positive feedback in the many other places that we stream, including uh, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Apple Music, uh, or sorry, uh, Amazon Music, uh, CastBox, Podbean. Thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. Uh, check out what he's up to at bluebleu.bandcamp.com. Follow us online at LinoleumCast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and drop us a line at Linoleum Podcast. At gmail.com. Until next time.
0: Goodbye.